بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما آباد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا فورتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ in why the Almighty and Glorious afflicts His servants. So first, Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu he relates that he visited Rasulullah when he was very ill, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri touched the blanket covering the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, How severe is your fever, ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet said, We, I, the Prophets, are like this. Affliction is intensified for us and our reward is multiplied. Abu Sa'id then asked, Ya Rasulullah, who amongst the people are the most severely afflicted? The Prophet said, Those who are mostly afflicted amongst the people are the Prophets, alayhi salatu wasalam, then the scholars, then the righteous. Indeed, some of them were afflicted with lice until it killed them. And some were afflicted with poverty until they had nothing to wear but a coarse cloak. However, indeed, they were more happy with affliction than you would be with comfort. Subhanallah. So let's look at it. So this is recorded in Ibn Majah and Shaykh al-Bani authenticates it in As-Sahihah number 144 and Irwa Ul-Ghalil number 3403. So the Prophet is very ill. Now think about this. When you get a person with a fever, for your fever to go through a blanket, how severe is this? So he actually just touched the blanket and he felt heat. So he goes, how severe is your fever? And then the Prophet explains, we are like this, meaning this is the Prophets. But then he says, the reason is our reward is great. Then he asked Abu Sa'id, who are the most severely afflicted? And the Prophet mentioned the Prophets. Then he mentioned the scholars. Now why are the scholars the most severely afflicted? Because they are the inheritors of the Prophets. And then the righteous. And then the Prophet mentioned two examples, sallallahu alayhi wa Some of them, i.e. Amongst, the pro- amongst the scholars and the righteous, were afflicted with lice and it killed them. So think about that. We know what lice is. Lice is when obviously when there's you know, vermin within the hair which sucks the blood. But for you to be killed from that, how severe is this? Because some of them were afflicted with lice until it killed them. And not forgetting lice doesn't mean that they were unhy- does not mean that they were unhygienic. You can get this from others. And then he mentioned poverty. Some were afflicted with poverty until they had nothing but a cloak. But then this is not the amazing thing. What then did he say? But they were more happy with that affliction than you are with comfort. So that's the sign. So if a person you know he's been afflicted with lice and his life's in jeopardy, would he be in joy? If a person is afflicted with poverty and he has nothing but a cloak, would you see him with a big smile on his face? So here, why were they showing happiness? 
because Allah Ta'ala is testing them. And they say this is for our own goodness and we are very happy that Allah Ta'ala and they would have preferred that over comfort. Think about that. And similarly, in Ahmad and Hakim, Shaykh Al-Bani authenticates it in Sahih Al-Jami number 1660 and As-Sahihah number 1610. Our beloved mother Sayyidah Aisha al-Dhanqa said, once an illness afflicted the Prophet وسلم, causing him to turn about in the bedding in pain. I thereupon said, if any of us did this, you would have rebuked him, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet وسلم, said, indeed affliction is intensified for the righteous. Whenever a believer is afflicted with hardship, be it a thorn or more, a sin is removed from him and he is elevated one level. O Aisha. So now, let's look at this. So why did Aisha say, if any of us did this, you would have rebuked him. So what was the Prophet doing? He was in pain. He was ill and he was turning in his bedding. She was highlighting that maybe this is a sign of this, like discontentment with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the righteous, you said, show happiness. So turning around, maybe because that seems to be the odds of what you've mentioned. So the Prophet explained to her, he goes, my, basically my affliction is not like any of yours. If I'm turning in my bedding, what does that mean? He goes, it's intensified. And then he explained, a thorn afflicts a believer. Even with that, a sin is removed and he's elevated. So why were they happy in that condition? Because this was a sign of their love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Mahmud ibn Labid relates that the Prophet said, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves some people, he afflicts them. He who perseveres will receive either reward. And he who despairs will receive the, receive the burden of despair. This is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad and Shaykh Al-Bani authenticates it in Sahih Al-Jami number 1706. So what did the Prophet say? If Allah loves some people, he will afflict them. But then he explained there's two types of reactions to this. One, he perseveres with it. He understands. He gets the reward, the Prophet said. But then another despairs and that's all he gets. Meaning, you know, why have I been afflicted this with this? Why is Allah Ta'ala angry with me? He doesn't realize this is goodness. But because of that, he only gets nothing but despair, the Prophet mentions Sallallahu And similarly, in Tirmidhi, and Shaykh Al-Bani authenticates it in As-Sahihah, number 146. Sayyidina Anas, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu A reward's magnitude is according to an affliction's magnitude. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves some people, he afflicts them. He who then is content will achieve acceptance. And he who is discontent will attain anger. So here the Prophet is explaining again, the rewards are proportionate to the affliction. And if you are content, you get the acceptance of Allah. Allah Allah accepts that. And if you are discontent, you get the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The blessed scholars, Rahimahumullah, they have differed as to whether a sick person will be rewarded for the sickness itself 
or for being patient during it. This is interesting. A person is ill. What is he getting reward for? So a person goes, his illness. You're right. But some scholars say, no, it's not the illness. It's the patience during the illness. The correct opinion is that if he is patient, he is content. He will be rewarded for both his sickness and his contentment. So that's fascinating. Why? Because if you're ill and you are mourning, basically, why am I being afflicted? So according to some scholars, there's no reward for that. Because how can you get rewarded for groaning over the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? But some ulama said, no, you won't be rewarded. But you don't get the reward of the contentment which is mentioned. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, he said in Fattal Bari 10-105, the authentic ahadith are clear in that the rewards are recorded once affliction strikes a Muslim. As for patience and acceptance, they are virtues for which a person may get additional rewards to those for the affliction. So simply put, the great Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani said that if you look at the hadith critically, it mentions you get the reward once the affliction strikes. Mm. But then he goes, what about the patience and acceptance? He goes, that's additional. Mm. So he seems to indicate you will get rewarded for the illness, but you want to get maximum for the other things which are decreed as well. Mm. Sickness not only purifies sins, it purifies the heart and the soul as well, which is fascinating. Mm. In Ibn Abi Dunya, Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah says, Hassan in Sahih Al-Tarheeb number 3401, our beloved mother said, the Prophet said, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tries a servant with an affliction, whilst he is pursuing a course that Allah ta'ala hates, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes that affliction a means of kafaratan wa tahuran expiation and purification for him. Just as long as he does not complain to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about his affliction or asks other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate it. So let's look at this. So what did the Prophet say? He said a servant is afflicted and he's afflicted at a time that he's on the path of evil. So what does that mean? It means he's living a life of sin. And he's afflicted. Allah Ta'ala makes that affliction a means of expiation and purification. Now look how interesting. He's not a pious person. So Allah Ta'ala has intervened. Divine mercy has intervened. You know what the divine kudra as they say. And Allah Ta'ala causes that intervention to expiate and to purify. Isn't that the same thing? It can't be. The Prophet mentioned two things. Kafaratan tahudan. Expiation and purification, but there's a condition. As long as he does not complain to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about the affliction or ask other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate him, meaning for shirk. And similarly, Abu Umama relates that our beloved messenger said, وسلم, Never does a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fall unconscious from seizure, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises him after it purified. Subhanallah. This is in Tabarani. Ibn Asakir, Ibn Abidunya, and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi authenticates it in As-Sahiha, number 2277. So, people get so ill that they faint. The fainting is a means of complete purification. So, a person, obviously, there's epileptic fits, people have. So, every time they go into a fit and they lose consciousness, 
Allah Ta'ala has purified them. And there was a woman in the time of the Prophet who had this. And she asked the Prophet Sallallahu that Allah Ta'ala cured her. But the Prophet Sallallahu said, if you're patient, you'll get paradise. So she goes, okay, I'll be patient, but make dua that I don't take my clothes off. And then, Abdullah ibn Abbas would say in Sayyid Bukhari, would you like to see a woman of paradise? And the Ta'abeen goes, yes. And he pointed to that same woman. She was still having those fits. So Allah in his kindness is intervening. Now, if that person is living a sinful life, it's a purification. Question, what if it's not a sinful person who's afflicted? Then it goes back to the initial reports. The most severely afflicted are the righteous. But they love that. In fact, you get to a state where the awliya, they get worried when they're not afflicted. So look how strange. We are trying to live our lives to the best so that we don't get afflicted. There's nothing wrong with that. We eat the best food. We, you know, we, we try to keep away from this and that. The awliyas, they do the same. But when a tribulation, a trial doesn't come, they get worried. And when the trial comes, it's like they've got, you know, that check. <laughs> and they do, you know, like you said, they're doing the proverbial moon work. Do we do that? So as one test comes, you, you see the guy, he can't even get out of bed. And he goes, what's happened, brother? And he goes, oh, brother, all the world's on my shoulders now. So note, these are the signs. Now, if the affliction didn't come, could you see whether this was a righteous person? So that's a sign. Allah is exposing people. Because people are saying that they're good people. But where are they when they're, when they're tested? And you notice, the reality comes. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> the virtues of visiting the ailing are also immense. In Abu Dawood, Bukhari's Allah Dabal Mufrad, number 522, Shaykh Al-Bani authenticates it in his As-Sahihah, number 1929. Sayyidina Jabir, Messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He who visits a sick person walks through the mercy. When he sits, he becomes submerged in the mercy. Subhanallah. So look how interesting. In this authentic report, when you are walking to visit the even that is part of your ibadat. It doesn't start when you get there. Because you're walking through mercy, meaning maybe up to your waist. But when you sit, and this is the sunnah to sit where the ailing are, then you are completely submerged in mercy. So what does that mean? It means that you are get, getting blessed as you're going towards that person. But the nearer you get to him, the mercy increases. Eventually, the mercy completely envelops you when you sit with him. Now, question, if you're getting all this mercy, what's he getting? So the scholars point these things out. He goes, why are you getting all this virtue? Because he's been tested. Allah, the last testing, give air to raise his ranks and to purify him. So when you are going towards a person who Allah, Allah intends good for, Allah, Allah blesses you. Sayyidina Thawban added, that the Prophet said, when a Muslim visits his sick Muslim brother, he enjoys the fruits of paradise until he leaves. This is in Sayyid Muslim. So what does that mean? Somebody goes, well, when I go, I don't experience any fruits. So even in English, you got the saying, the fruits of your labor. So when you go to a person, what does that mean? Because it means that you've made some effort and you've got the benefit of it. But it says fruits. And he goes, I wanted fruits. And he goes, this is a speech, you idiot, right? So every language has those nuances. So here the Prophet was saying the same. He enjoys the fruits of paradise until he leaves. But Sumulama said, no. 
You actually do enjoy the fruits of paradise, whether you understand it or not. They take it literally. In another report, it mentions in Tirmidhi ibn Majah Ahmad and Udas, Shaykh Albani Rahmatullah authenticates it in Sahih al Targhim number 3476. Sayyid Ali, he relates that our beloved messenger said, when a Muslim visits his sick brother, he walks through the fruit gardens of paradise until he sits. So stop in the report. Previous report, you're walking through mercy. Now the Prophet says, you walk through the fruit gardens of paradise. The orchards of paradise until you sit. Then the Prophet said, when he sits, the mercy encompasses him. If he visits him in the morning, 70,000 angels make dua for him until the evening. And if he visits him in the evening, 70,000 angels supplicate for him until the morning. Sayyid Hadith of the Prophet in Tirmidhi ibn Imaj and Ahmad. So now you need to be clever and invest. The worst time to go to visit the ill is just before Maghrib. So a person goes, why is that the worst time? Because your angels are making dua until Maghrib. You went just before Maghrib. Why didn't you, you know, go just after Maghrib? Why? Now they're going to make dua for you until Fajr. So notice, you have to be, you know, wise and understand where the blessings are. Nothing harm, no harm, you're not sinful, Audhu Billah. But why don't you want the maximum blessings? Now, what's interesting is shaitan deprives us of this in the West. Why? Because visiting ours. Right? If you want to go in the early morning, they won't allow you. you got allowed to, you're not allowed to visit in the morning. So you go late in the afternoon. And then what happens? You've only got a few hours of that blessings. But if you go after Maghrib, that's interesting. So maybe it's better to go after Maghrib. Why? Because you've got the entire night where the angels are making dua for you. And similarly, Abu Hurairah When a man visits his brother, whether sick or well, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Good are you, and good is your walking. A place is now secured for you in paradise. Subhanallah. This is in Tirmidhi ibn Majah, and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah says, Hassan, in his Sahih ut Targhim number 3474. So very important. You are not visiting the ill. If you visit a brother for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no, there's no like exterior motive, ulterior motive. You're doing it only to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You get this reward. Allah ta'ala goes, good are you? Good is your walking. You've secured a place in paradise. What about visiting the ill? <laughs> so to recap here, four things are mentioned in the authentic reports. Number one, Whilst walking to visit the ailing, one walks to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the fruit gardens of paradise till he sits. Number two, once he sits, he then sits submerged in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, eating from the fruits of paradise. Number three, a place is secured for him in paradise. And number four, 70,000 angels alayhi salatu wasalam supplicate for him from morning to evening or vice versa. Subhanallah. So now, why should we not find this strange to finish? Because the answer is in a very famous hadith. Our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasalam said that Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, had you visited him, either ailing, you would have found me there. Subhanallah. Indeed, had you visited him, the ailing, you would have found me there. 
So what do you expect Allah Ta'ala is going to give you? Now what's interesting about this, if you feed the poor, look after the poor, the Prophet mentioned rewards. Allah Ta'ala mentioned rewards in the Hadith Qudsi. But when you visit the ill, he doesn't mention a reward. He says, you would have found me there. So the scholars point out, this is greater than Sadaqah, according to this report. You will find me there, imagine. If somebody goes, let's go and visit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What a strange statement to make, but he's actually telling the truth. If you visit the ill. Imam Tirmidhi relates that the noblest report in regard to visiting the sick is this one. So the great Muhaddif Hafiz Tirmidhi, who knew many, many hadiths, he goes, there is no greater virtue for visiting the sick than this hadith in Sayyid Muslim from Allah the Almighty and Glorious. So all I mentioned today was two things. One is the wisdom why an individual is afflicted and is either to increase their maqam or to purify them. And then of course, I mentioned some of the incredible virtues of visiting those who are ill. And note, everything is detailed in the glorious revelation. Are there any questions you'd ask? Is it best to do ghusl before you go to be in a pure clean state? Oh, mashallah. Yes, so there's a hadith. And the hadith mentions that before you visit the ailing, you should do wudu. Or you should be in a state of wudu. And that's actually a report mentioning that. I think it's in Imam Ahmad's Muslim. But it's not essential. Right, so to get the maximum rewards, you should go in, in a state of wudu, and also you should walk. The report mentions walk, so obviously, hospitals usually are in walking distance, but due to our laziness, we don't like that. We go in a car. If you go in a car, inshallah, hopefully, you'll get some of the rewards. But the reports clearly mention walking, so if you can walk, walk there, and uh, if not, at least still go with the transport. And notice the similarity between this deed. And the masjid. For each step, notice when a person goes on transport, is not mentioned. Of course, Allah Ta'ala knows best. Any other questions, comments? Subhanallah bihamdi zwanta lahuma bihamdika ishwala ilaha illa anta astafrika tubalaika wa tibillahi minish tanjim. Subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Assalamu alayhi wa mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Al-Asr. 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 Al